Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Our guest today is a writer, a producer, a host, an actress, a certified yoga instructor. She's appeared on MTV's Greatest Party Story Ever, Blackish General Hospital, Mad Men, Cover Girl, and more. She's the founder of Budding Mind, a cannabis and wellness blog that showcases the high quality educational and entertaining content that she specializes in that she calls edutainment. In 2018, she was awarded a golden telly for a docuseries, Prisoners of Prohibition, that she wrote, produced, and helped direct for Mary Jane Media. To date, her online content has reached more than a million people or more than a million viewers. Brooke Brokestaller, thank you so much for being a part and a member or a guest on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for being here today. Oh my goddess, Montel. Thank you for having me. I watched you all throughout growing up. So this is a very full circle moment to see you in the cannabis space thriving. It brings me such joy. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, it brings me joy to know that you're a member of the cannabis space and doing all the hard work that you've been doing. Can you tell us a little bit about your plant and wellness medicine journey? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my goddess. Sure. So I started using cannabis recreationally in high school and I snuck out with the older kids ripped a bong for the first time. And after that, I went home to my diary and I wrote down, when I grow up, I want to be a stoner. And then I accidentally manifested that to like the nth degree. I wish I had also written, when I grow up, I want to be a billionaire, like help myself out a little bit. But ever since then, I've really been on this very roller coaster like cannabis journey from recreational to medicinal. And ultimately, I when I was in college in Miami, I was binge drinking a lot, as one does. It's an extracurricular activity in college, and cannabis really helped to steer me off of that path. And when I moved out to Los Angeles for a career in entertainment, cannabis has been my plant guide and provided me with so many opportunities and such strong, beautiful, overwhelming community. So I am I'm forever indebted to this plant for the myriad things that she's done for me. Well, you work very, very diligently in making sure that people get really good educational information about cannabis. Do you not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that you brought up edutainment. I don't think I coined that word, but obviously it's educational entertainment, and that does tend to be my specialty. I'm a millennial, so we love short-form content over here, and I've worked for a lot of different cannabis media publications, basically creating news packages about the cannabis industry, which is surprisingly few and far between. Well, you know, I mean, there's something I've talked about on here on Let's Be Blunt quite often, and that's the fact that, you know, I think that the industry has done itself a disservice, especially right now at a time when we have so much time to sit back and study and learn things. Mm-hmm. There's not as much information out there being presented to the consumer. We do a lot of B2B stuff, a lot of business to business, you know, uh, 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 forums are held and lots of uh, uh, conferences are held. But even in those conferences, they don't spend a lot of time other than looking at, you know, uh, sale items to the customer rather than talking about bringing on a generation that has not. I mean, we really have barely touched the surface of consumers that are possible consumers of cannabis because a lot of them are just like with the current vaccine. They're so afraid because they don't have the knowledge. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my 
relationship with cannabis, I've seen it go from a villain to a hero in some people's eyes, but I still think there's a lot of people left behind and there's a lot of misinformation. And that's largely because cannabis remains a schedule one drug. Uh, So there's not a lot of research. And even when there is, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily believe in the validity of said research. So I completely agree that the consumer is often left in the dust with being able to find digestible information. And for me, I am forever the student, right? Like I am I am the absorber of information. So it's my mission to talk to the scientists and the teachers and the business owners and the artists and to collect their stories and their messages and their information and their knowledge about cannabis and try to distill that into the most comprehensive information for these consumers um, in a fun way with a laugh. <laughs> well, you know, let me make sure right now, that's perfect timing to, to plug. Where can people go to you know, tap into all the resources that you are making available. Well, please check out Marijuana Morning News, which is a daily cannabis news show that I write, produce, and host from the comfort of my home. You can check that out on Advanced Nutrients Official, both on YouTube and on Instagram. So that's a show that's actually brought to you by Big Mike's Advanced Nutrients, who you had on your show just a couple of episodes ago. That was really exciting. I listened to that the other night. Absolutely. Big Mike did a great job. He's been doing a great job in the industry for quite a long time. And it's good. So every day you try to give people, you know, some background information and some, you know, educational tools around cannabis. Exactly. I mean, everything from the science of cannabinoids to the myth behind the distinctions of sativas and indicas, all the way to what's happening in India right now. Uh, pretty much everything under the cannabis sun is of interest to me and hopefully of interest to my viewers. So there's a little bit of, of everything for everyone, I think. That's right. Pretty much the same kind of idea that we have here at Let's Be Blunt. We try yeah. to do everything and anything we can that is cannabis related so that people can make good, educated choices for themselves, for themselves and their family. You know, you touched on a couple of, of, of areas. One, you know, this whole, you know, we're finally starting to understand that what we first tried to propagate was a myth. And that was this whole understanding of, you know, sativa indica, where we know for a fact that the the plants have been so hybridized over the course of the last hundred years that it's almost impossible to distinguish the two, but also distinguishing between, you know, uh, terpenes, flavonoids, all of the phytonutrients, phytocannabinoids that are in the plant also are really where people should be looking more when they try to make a choice about a cultivar that they want to use, right? Precisely. Yeah. To your point earlier, all of these cannabis events are typically centered around information on how to sell more weed and not how to educate consumers on what weed to buy. And uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to me, nevertheless, that some brands are still leading on the marketing scheme of misinformation, of boiling things down to too simple of terms that are far too antiquated at this time. But at the same time, if you just randomly went into a group of people and you tried to talk about, oh, these terps taste so good, a bunch of stoners, they'd be like, weed is weed, man. Like I I live in Missouri and I can't get weed. So whatever it is, I don't care. Right. Yeah. You know, you're right. Absolutely. Because a lot of people, people don't understand that and again, it depends on the way you approach cannabis. If you approach it from a medical standpoint and you are trying to elicit a response, then you should actually school yourself on the different terpenes 
and understand that those profiles based on just, you know, the infinitesimal little bit can actually change the response that you were trying to elicit when you actually smoke it mm-hmm. or eat it or, you know, rub it on or whatever it is that you're doing. And um, so what are some of the most interesting things that you think you learned that you'd like to share with uh, our listeners? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So most recently, I was reading about a study. Here's some clickbait for you, Montel. Just title the podcast episode this. <laughs> so there's there's been a lot of studies coming out about how cannabis actually affects your sperm count. And it's true. If you smoke weed, men will produce less sperm. And if you're trying to have children then smoking weed habitually is probably not the right thing for you. However, you could look at it in another way. If you don't want to have kids, cannabis can kind of be some form of male birth control. Not entirely. I'm not endorsing that message. But that's obviously extremely interesting because the topic of how cannabis enhances sex is so popular right now, especially from a feminine point of view. I've used plenty of cannabis lubricants, and let me tell you, they work. But Talking about the male perspective, cannabis can actually not necessarily inhibit pleasure, but it can definitely inhibit some other things. So that's been really interesting to learn about. But you know, that was very interesting that you say that, but that has been available information for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just now finally mm-hmm. starting to resurface again. It's just like, you know, the information that you we were just discussing about, you know, um, the idea that we should have been talking about terpenes, flavonoids, and all the other component parts of this plant for the last 20 years. And we've known about it for the last 20 years. I mean, research was complete on the endocannabinoid system back in you know 1996. So it's not like it's something that is just brand new. But unfortunately, that's where I say this industry has done a disservice to the consumer because we have not kept them up to speed with the information that we've been able to get. What other information have you gotten that, that is that kind of surprised you? Okay, this is a heartwarming story. One of my favorites is that as states begin to legalize cannabis, their canines, like the police dogs that they train to sniff out drugs, They have to be trained and specialized in smelling one thing. So if you see a dog at the airport, a police dog, it's only smelling for bombs, typically. It's not smelling for other drugs, so you don't need to worry whatever you're bringing with you. So dogs that are trained to smell for cannabis are now going into early retirement because their services are no longer needed. So all these adorable German shepherds are going on vacay, baby. And to me, that's actually a really, a really sweet thing. Um, I, I love I love to hear that. And that also shows that police forces are willing to admit like the writing is on the wall. We don't necessarily need to spend money and resources in continuing to hunt these people down. And also, you know, we know for a fact that canines do very, very well. Dogs do very, very well with cannabis mm-hmm. as a natural you know, medication for them. As a matter of fact, you know, dogs will seek out cannabis in the wild for upset stomach and other dietary issues. And also, I think even when their anal glands are are, are full, they will, will seek it out because it seems to lessen that, seems to, I always say that, but we also do know that, you know, canines respond really well to uh, cannabis and hemp treatments. It's such a beautiful thing. And I, I really do think that as humans evolve, to have more anxiety, which is just a sign of the times, 
I think that our animals and our domesticated pets are also evolving in that manner. And a lot of animals are experiencing mental health issues. And the use of pharmaceuticals for animals is on the rise. And I really do hope to see that that will be replaced with CBD when more and more people feel comfortable. If you feel comfortable giving your dog half of a Xanax, then hopefully you would feel comfortable giving your dog a droplet of CBD in their water. Makes the most sense to me. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, it's, you just nailed it. You know, a lot of people don't recognize that, you know, since we've all been hunkered down at home, you know, your pets, though, they seem to enjoy your presence. They also are a little pissed off that you're in their domain (laughs) all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a dog to annoy yet, but I'm waiting for my my familiar to come to me. Oh, there you go. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your multi-channel online platform, Budding Mind, right? How'd you come up with that idea? Yes. So growing up, the stereotype of the stoner and the cannabis consumer didn't really reflect me. I didn't feel like I related to cannabis culture. Cannabis culture was high times. Cannabis culture was hip hop. And, and I'm a very feminine woman. So I I wanted to create a space that didn't necessarily exist, a community where all walks of life were welcome to explore the softer side of cannabis and to truly appreciate and advocate for her healing and wellness components. And, And that's what I'm doing. And it's a brainchild. It's a personal expression of my adoration and devotion to this plant through art, through quotes, through interviews, through content. All of the things. Wow. Now, when did you when did you first I think back on when did you first get introduced to cannabis and how? Oh, I can remember, Montel. This is my parents would not like to hear this story, but the <laughs> first time was like the most stereotypical. It's almost corny to think of the setting, but I snuck out of my house. I hung out with the older boys in high school, and we were smoking weed from a dingy bong on a beanbag chair with like black lights in the room. Somebody's basement. <laughs> yeah, so basically basement. <laughs> and uh, good old, good old high school years. But really after that, it was just such a, I felt such freedom and such depth in my sensory experience that after that, I was like, who's been keeping this from me? Also, mm-hmm. mind you, at that age, it was very easy to get booze. It, I was I was well under the age of 21, and that was extremely accessible by way of older kids or stealing from your parents. And then here is the substance that just made me want to relax. It didn't want to make me be reckless. I just wanted to almost be by myself and feel the fullness of my human experience. And uh, yeah, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, now, I mean, you, you like me, stay up on everything cannabis if you try or you try to. And I know you probably, like so many others across the country, were heartened by the idea of the brand new administration coming into office, because at least they give this sense that they are open to listening. But... Do you really have a lot of faith in this administration and their ability to make any changes in the space? I don't have much faith in politicians in general. I think that if anyone does, it's a bit misguided. Um, you know, 
if let's like the most recent polls say that nearly 70% of Americans approve of legalized adult use cannabis. How has that not been implemented by our elected officials? Because they don't work for us. That's why. So do I have faith? Naturally, I, I have hope. I don't necessarily have faith. There's been so many conversations as of late, even in the exiting administration, you know, Congress has been pushing forward cannabis legalization, hiding it into <laughs> coronavirus bills for a while now. And we haven't necessarily seen any headway in that regard either. So the only positive note I think would be, or the silver lining of the whole coronavirus pandemic is that because states and the government is so desperate for money, there might be a strong argument for the legalization of cannabis simply for that tax revenue because everyone's well, broke right now. <laughs> well, you know, I would think that too. But then you look at all of this ridiculous pushback. I mean, you know, it's South Dakota. They voted in. The people voted in. Let's make cannabis legal. And now you've got the legislation trying to overturn the will of the people. You look in New Jersey. They really put in, you know, probably the, the most arduous uh, and daunting administrative uh, protocols to let the, the people's will be heard. So it seems as if we take make three steps forward, like at the election, you had five new states pass some sort of cannabis legislation, but then we take three steps back because they turn try to turn around and overturn it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and again, when you have a president, uh, he was the president-elect, but now a president who just seven months ago had the audacity to say that he still believed that cannabis was a gateway drug. Boom. You know, I mean, this is we are in 2001 right now. man. I don't know how bigger my mind could be blown by that comment. And and he reiterated it. And yet, you know, you take a look at what the outgoing president did in his pardons. Mm -hmm. well, he pardoned a lot of low level you know, uh, cannabis violators that were in prison for life. And of course, I'm not, you know, saying there was nothing significant about their their internment, but the fact that he selected several of them, I, I was completely blown away by that, to tell you the truth. I would, what did you think about that? That was a really incredible moment for me because in working on the docuseries that I created with Mary Jane, Prisoners of Prohibition, that was, I was fully ingrained into these people's stories, people who were serving life sentences for cannabis. And we created one of the first pieces of content that was really exploring the subject. At the time, four, three years ago, four years ago, when we started this project, everyone's mind was blown. There's still people serving time for cannabis, life sentences, nonviolent first time offenders. I think when you Put it that way, it seems pretty obvious that there is an issue there. Um, but seeing number 45, Donald Trump, offer clemency to a lot of these people whose stories that I was, I had learned about, the stories that I was telling, I don't care who does it. I just want it done. I don't care who's responsible. You know, it, it was definitely shocking to think that Donald Trump made this move, but it didn't have much to do with him. It had so much to do with the grassroots organizations that have been working from administration, from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, and will continue to work through the Biden administration for the release of these same people, these same names. And those organizations, they don't care which president 
commits to the pardons either. So I, I think there was like a little bit of back end politics there on Donald Trump's behalf. Kim K probably had something to do with it. He's looking for his next reality show deal. Kim Kardashian's in there trying to fight for the people. So who knows what sneaky ulterior motives he really had in doing that. But again, I don't care as long as these people are home with their families. Uh, but what's also important to note is that the buck doesn't stop there. Now these people are out of prison and they are likely fearful and you know, demystified by the fact that there is an industry that is absolutely thriving that took 20 years away from their life. And making people making money and they can't be a part of it. That's what really blows yeah. me. Away. I mean, absolutely. there's so many supposedly equity programs around the country that really aren't equity programs. They're just programs where, you know, they say put a black name on your list and or put a person's name on your list that has been incarcerated and and on your application and we'll we'll take a look at it to see if that uh, if you pass the muster. But the truth of the matter is, you know, there are not a lot of people actually opening up their hands and saying, we welcome you into this industry, you know, because we'd like you to be a part of it. And when you talk about an industry that was born on the backs of people of color in this country, it's ridiculous that people of color are represent less than 11% of the entire industry that's making money. It's absolutely terrifying, but you know, that's, Every industry is corrupt and cannabis is no exception. Fortunately, there are people that are are working to continue to recognize and revere those of our brothers and sisters who we've left behind. But Montel, it's a whole crock of shit. <laughs> what else can you say? We're all just like holding on and waiting to see what happens next and, you know, fighting, fighting for the right thing to be done. If people wanted to see your documentary, Prisons of Prohibition, can they still see it right now? Is it on Netflix? Is it on one of the streaming services? It's You can watch it on YouTube for free. You can watch it on Snoop Dogg's YouTube channel or on Mary Jane's YouTube channel. It's M-E-R-R-Y, Jane. Okay. Now you're, you're a very, very spiritual person and you teach yoga at the NKLA Animal Shelter. How did you get into this? Well, I tripped and fell into a yoga practice and it chose me. What can I say? When I was younger, I used to stretch in my bedroom at the age of like five or six. I kid you not. I would stretch in my room and I would watch as my body would be able to drop into deeper and deeper folds and splits and things. And so I believe, you know, in a past life, I was maybe like an Indian guru, uh, a man living in the Himalayas in a cave. Who knows? I know I don't look the part now, but trust. <laughs> But, thank you. Thank you. You know, yoga has just really become a part of me and so much so that I committed to becoming a yoga instructor and have volunteered my services at NKLA, which is a no-kill shelter in Los Angeles. And all of the proceeds for any of those classes just go right back to the shelter. And funny enough, sometimes I used to teach cat yoga. So if you don't have an allergy post-COVID, come check it out. Wow. Which, let cats run wild in the yoga class. There's all kinds of yoga now. It's very, very strange. <laughs> it was nevertheless a beautiful thing. And, and now I fully intertwine my yoga practice with cannabis. Those are a match made in heaven for me. And so people actually come to your yoga class, they utilize cannabis or they utilize it before they walk into class and then that helps them relax? Well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> right. right, yeah. Now you're the face of Big Mike's Big Mike Plus Advanced Nutrients Show. Marijuana Morning, right? Mm -hmm. uh, news which you develop and you produce and you host. 
What's your favorite part of working on that show? Oh, wow. I would say just being able to be a connector of all of these stories. It's a beautiful reason, if not excuse, to have my hand in all of the cannabis honeypots and every aspect of the industry, to be the most informed that I can possibly be, while also remaining humble and realizing that, again, I'm not the expert. I am the student, I am the filter, and I am the messenger. I am the voice for this plant. So yeah, it's it's and it's beautifully creative to be able to work with cannabis in a creative capacity. Little Brooke, little stoner Brooke writing in her journal could not have possibly fathomed this outcome to be able to have a legitimate creative career in cannabis. It's very exciting. Well, look, you know, Brooke, I got to do a little something. I got to pay a couple of bills. So I ask all of our listeners to stick around and stick around for a second. Let me pay the bills. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about what you hope happens with cannabis in the future. I'll take a little break. We're talking to Brooke Bergstaller. And you're listening to Let's Be Blown. Montel, don't go away. We'll be back right after this. Well, hey, guys, welcome back to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And our guest today is a writer, a producer, a host, an actress, a certified yoga instructor. She's appeared on MTV's greatest party story ever, Blackish, General Hospital, Mad Men, Cover Girl, and much, much more. She's the founder of Budding Mind, a cannabis and wellness blog that showcases high quality education and entertainment content that she calls edutainment. And in 2018, she was awarded a Golden Telly for a docuseries, Prisoners of Prohibition, that she wrote, produced, and directed with the help of Mary Jane Media. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Let's Be Blunt, Brooke Berkstaller. Thank you again, Brooke, for being a part of the show today. Aloha. So glad to be here. Absolutely. You know, as I asked you, I said before the break, we were going to come back and talk a little bit more about what your hopes are for the future. But you said... On a break, let's talk a little bit about India. Let's talk about India. What do you think? India's got the largest population on the planet or second largest population on the planet. And they are really getting 100% into growing hemp. We know that for sure. Uh, they're one of the first countries to, they never signed on to that 1961 uh, UN treaty that prohibited hemp. And cannabis has always been legal in India as long as you didn't sell it, correct? It's very complicated over there, and hopefully I'll get this correct, but basically cannabis is illegal, the flower. However, the leaves are legal. So what resin you can capture from those leaves and roll into hash bowls is legal at government-authorized shops, and it's called bong. It's basically hash, but it's called bong, and not only do people you know, smoke the hash balls, but they create these drinks, these bong drinks that right. are often used for celebration of festivals honoring Lord Shiva, who is a Hindu deity that is the protector of cannabis. So, so ingrained into Indian culture is this respect and this relationship with cannabis. And I just find that to be so fascinating. And then the United States, we ruined it in the 1970s when we went around the world and made everyone poo-poo on cannabis too. But there's always been this counterculture in India that I just find, I, it's just so, it's so cool to me that it's illegal, but like, is it illegal? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing. Because I think if you, if you look, you can actually go and grab a whole plant flowered and leave, shake it, just like we do, take the keef off of it. The keef is legal. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's so, so, it's so backwards. 
it's it's strange. It's strange. However, you're, you're absolutely right. They consume it, and um, you're not going to get arrested for walking around because you're smoking a slib. Uh, that as long as there's well, and there's no way for them to determine it, but as long as there's a lot of of resin and keef on it, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are also the wandering holy men of India, much like monks, the sadhus of India. There are certain sects of these people that devote themselves to worship of Lord Shiva. And the way that they worship is by smoking weed all day long. And maybe you've seen <laughs> images of these babas that are smoking their chillums and they're covered in ash and they need a shower, but they don't want to shower. So all the power to them. They're smoking cannabis all day long as a way to find enlightenment. There's so much adoration for this plant that they actually, their belief system is that if they smoke weed and meditate all day, that will unite them with their version of God. Like, why aren't we all doing this? I guess I kind of am in my own way. <laughs> it's just so strange. I was, I was in India now about before COVID started, uh, back in September of last year. What? I, I went over on a junket um, uh, with the governor of New Jersey, believe it or not, uh, a business junket. And had several discussions with multiple business people there about, you know, the expansion of cannabis here in the United States and the fact that hemp would be expanding as, as quickly as it has been and will be. And, you know, within the next, I think, the next couple of years, you're going to see places like India and China actually become the leading growers of hemp in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be, that'll be a wild time. You know, in China, there's also a goddess a Taoist goddess named Magu, who is the hemp maiden. I'm really fascinated by the mythological archetypes that have been protectors of cannabis that we've kind of left in our history books for thousands of thousands of years that are aspects of all of these different cultures around the world. That So I, I had mentioned earlier, I watched cannabis go from a villain to a hero, but really the story of cannabis is hero, villain, hero. Correct. Well, we got to remember, and a lot of people don't take the time to do their study and their research, but, you know, cannabis was first written about, and I think it was the I Ching, one of the, the pharmacopias of Chinese medicine from three thirty eight hundred years ago. So it's not like this is something that came around yesterday. And, you know, when you said earlier, and there's something that really blows me in my mind because I, I, I say it all the time, it's like, you know, people say, well, we need to do more research. We've been researching this for thirty eight hundred years. How much more do we have to do? Come on now, don't be so stupid, right? <laughs> well, there's also the trusting of the research, I right. think, as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and and even when it comes to trusting research, that's what blows me out the door. I mean, I think recently we just saw that the the DEA is now allowing for, you know, certain certified authorized research facilities to actually grow products rather than have to get it from the University of Mississippi as they had mm-hmm. for three years. So now they're able to grow their own cultivars and start to test them. And they did that under the guise of needing more research, but won't even admit to the fact that the U.S. government, you know, spent millions, tens of millions of dollars doing research outside of the United States during the 90s, late 80s and early 90s, Culling research that they actually were funding. You know, that's where everybody knows who Dr. Mishulam is and gives him great credit. But he was able to do his work because of funding from the United States government. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's uh, this is this is a wild ride. But one of these days, everyone will just trip and fall into 
smoking a joint and <laughs> see the light of day. <laughs> and that's what we can at least hope for, I think. You know, but I think as you continue to see numbers rise, like you said, it's plus 70% of people in the country believe that there should be a legal adult use cannabis. But we know that it's now more, right at the edge of 90% of people in this country believe that cannabis should be allowed as a medical alternative. And yet we still live with these draconian laws and live with this draconian attitude that there's something wrong again, gateway drug attitude that the president has. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping, I mean, what, what would you say? Do you, do you hope that we get an opportunity? I, I believe, you know, people like yourself, me and, and, you know, Big Mike and others should, should, you know, do the next run, not on the Capitol the way the last one was done, but run on the Capitol to do actual congressional hearings to talk to people and say, get your head out your ass. You know, it's it's my mission to be as authentic with my own relationship as possible and to see you as so much of a cannabis advocate while being a successful individual in the entertainment industry. I think that is the greatest contribution that we can be making personally as well. Because for so long, I was in the cannabis closet. And I I've, I know about your story too, not wanting to tell people this is the face of a cannabis user. But I think as more and more people start to reveal that reality about themselves, we'll start to see the change of tides. Because no, a cannabis user doesn't look like one person. It's not one person and it's not one thing. And it's not one medicine fits all. And uh, that that's just the reality. And our legislation will eventually have to catch up to that reality. But like we've seen in many other industries, legislation is far behind the people's desires and the people's knowledge. I mean, look at look at the digital industry. <laughs> what are we doing? People are scheduling coups on the Internet and there's no checks and balances for these systems yet. It's it's outrageous, but absolutely insane. But I mean, again, now you just said, you know, I, I kind of, I came out back in 2001, 2001. And I remember for those first 10 years, literally everywhere I went, I was like looking over my shoulder because, mm -hmm. you know, even though now today there are a few more people in Hollywood who have decided to step out into the open, there are so many more of them that are still hiding behind the curtain. Yeah. I, I've been curious about that. Huh? I've been curious about that and about your personal journey as well, because is there obviously there is a fear that opportunities would be jeopardized. You can no longer be a Tom Cruise, a household name, a cheery little person with dimples in your cheeks that's fit for all American homes if you support cannabis. But if you drink whiskey or you have wine every day or you wear a shirt that says like, these are my wine pants, you know, like right. that, somehow that's okay. Well, you know, I've I, I been saying this quite a bit lately also on this podcast about the fact that, you know, I, I do a lot of Netflix uh, and, and streaming service television programming, and I am just shocked at the number of shows. Every single one of the last, I, I'm going to say at least 10, nine out of 10 of the last shows that I have watched on a streaming service, the heroine or hero comes home, pours at least a four-finger glass of scotch or some brown liquor, and they all consume it in, throughout the entire episode. And I'm thinking, to myself, well, why can't we just show what people are truly doing right now, especially during this COVID pandemic, 
you know, there are a lot more people having cannabis delivered. We know that cannabis is the one of the only recession proof businesses of the last year. And that's because a lot of people are getting home delivery. So there are a lot more people walking in their front door, grabbing a joint and lighting it up or grabbing a bowl and lighting up or grabbing their bond and lighting up. But we don't show that. And, you know, I get the fact that because it's supposedly still a scheduled one drug at the same time, you know, we show uh, alcohol abuse indiscriminately. But I think that even the entertainment industry and the digital industry is afraid of the federal government and everyone's just trying to, you know, pat each other's backs and and do right by by the government, by their higher interests because even Instagram and TikTok, they are constantly under surveillance for for cannabis content. I've had tons of accounts shut down because I've posted weed content. I've not been able to upload videos of me watering my cannabis plants. I'm not talking about smoking. I'm not ripping a bong in a bikini, none of that content. I'm watering a plant. And the artificial intelligence of TikTok is somehow intelligent enough to be aware that this is an illegal plant and we cannot show this on this platform. Meanwhile, kids ripping beer bongs or, you know, dancing around in their underwear, that's okay. White supremacists having a platform for their hate speech, that's okay. Yeah, it, blow, it blows me away. We've been, you know, uh, uh, tapped on and tried to be censored a few times. And that's, I'm telling you, I, I don't, I deliberately do not consume on here. I deliberately do not show any products on here. I just have an educational discussion on here. And yet we still have had, you know, uh, threats of being, you know, uh, uh, censored for no reason. And, and I don't understand that, to be honest with you. And it seems like the more educational you are, the more threats you get. But when you sit back and there are several other people in the industry that are out there right now ripping the bongs right there on the screen and passing the joints right there on the screen. Nobody says a thing about that. But if you stop and try to talk about sensible things, mm. it's almost like they don't want you to educate the masses. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm sure there is validity to the conspiracy there because I've I've seen it myself. <laughs> I had a friend have her CBD only shop shut down on Instagram yesterday. It's legal. She's actually properly banked at this point. She finally figured that out after a long process of finding a credit card processor to represent her. And she got shut down. Which I don't understand at all, especially since the hemp bill, so the farm bill allowed for interstate commerce of hemp. Mm -hmm. And the CBD that's being used right now, most across the country and that's being processed is hemp. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, I don't get it. And I, I, you, know, I, I, you, you have to ask the question, what do you think they're afraid of? At the end, I've always thought that they're afraid of the fact that they'll finally be outed for being as racist as they have been for the last hundred years. That's what I think is the reason why, because, you know, we by legalizing hemp and legalizing cannabis, you are taking away, you know, a post-Civil War enslavement tool. Mm -hmm. at, you know, and again, I use those words. I know they're tough words to come out of my mouth to say. But when you look at 80 percent of the people who have been incarcerated for cannabis, you know, uh, 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 violations have been people of color. There's only one reason why that's happened. Acknowledging racism in this country is not something we like to do often, though, particularly from our elected officials. It's mm -hmm. obviously a sticky subject, and I completely, completely agree with you. I mean, however, 
Chuck Schumer the other day actually did say he a large motivation for him, besides the fact that he probably has, you know, stocks in cannabis companies, <laughs> a large motivation and part of his conversation is being transparent about the fact that the war on drugs targeted minorities, black people and low income communities, and that it's finally time <laughs> to rewrite legislation to undo the damage. Well, and I think you should also give a little credit to McConnell, too, because McConnell worked very hard to get the farm bill passed and making sure that all those who were illegally growing hemp in his state got an opportunity to get a legal pass. And, you know, who, who knows? Check his, his uh, portfolio. <laughs> Check everyone's bank accounts. But... Check bank account. We'll probably find a, a significant amount of money from the lobby. However, you know, if that's what it's going to take so that you can put money in the, the haters' pockets so that we can liberate the rest of us, then I say put money in the hated pockets. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm all about just legalize it and then let's go from there. Right. No legislation is going to be perfect, but if we can pass some kind of legalization, then over the years we can chisel that to fit the people's demands. Absolutely. Hey, look, you know, before I run out of time, I want to talk about some other things that you were doing. You actually are working in the comedy industry, are you not? Oh, I am. Let's talk a little bit about that. What's going on with you, girl? Sure thing. Well, I am a stand-up comedian, although that obviously has been put on a large pause besides Zoom shows, which are extremely awkward. Um, but yeah, prior prior to COVID, I was doing stand-up at the Comedy Store and Improv and around Los Angeles, definitely in my infancy, but infusing comedy, infusing humor into all aspects of life is, it, it's a necessity for me. It's a coping mechanism, really. <laughs> is, it, is it more of a comedy-centric, I mean, sorry, a cannabis-centric comedy or it's a general comedy? It definitely infused with a lot of cannabis, you know, a lot of my life centers around around weed. So that definitely plays a part in in the jokes that I tell. But I actually can't smoke weed and go on stage. I've tried that. I've tried to smoke weed before auditions and before shooting and and before getting on stage. And let me tell you, she is a hot mess express when that happens. <laughs> Very quick to forget a punchline if I'm too scones. So I really have to know myself when I'm trying to do anything in the professional realm and realize that performance-wise, cannabis doesn't actually enhance that for me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really funny because, uh, you know, when I was younger, and uh, you know, I, I used to, I was, I was singing in a band. I used to sing. I, I can tell you, I never thought that's, I never thought I sounded better unless I was, you know, had some cannabis in me. So, no way. I could. I, I. I. I prefer. You know, and it's really weird. I'll say it here. Uh, that I've never said it uh, live, but I mean, I. I. Uh, I probably have done mm, since 2000, and I'm not making this up. I probably have done 700 to 1,000 speeches, and not one of them has not been done with cannabis. I can't remember things unless I have cannabis in me, which is really weird. Wow. Uh, you know, a lot of people think about cannabis being the, you know, the gateway to forgetfulness or the gateway to loss of memory. I literally stay on track because I am high. Damn. Well, I commend you. And perhaps I still need to just like build up a bit of tolerance in that regard. It's been years and years, but you got a few on me. So yeah, come maybe, on. I'm still 
still yeah. working up to that, but that's amazing. So when you were also, when you're hosting like on camera, would you consume cannabis prior to that? Before my diagnosis with MS, I never did. Mm -hmm. I always went on the air, trying to make sure I went on the air completely clean. And then before my diagnosis with MS, I really, you know, maybe a year before I actually got officially diagnosed is when I started consuming some cannabis and not on a regular basis, maybe once every other week, maybe once a weekend, you know, then I started, you know, it started increasing to maybe, maybe once, twice a week. And then because I knew something was wrong with me and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I knew that cannabis was making me feel a little bit better. But I will tell you, when uh, I started, I went through my first episode of, of MS and was suffering from some of the symptoms of my illness, I literally went on an opioid binge for about a year and a half, almost to the point of opioid addiction. And it was a doctor who reminded me and told me that, you know, I've heard about you know, people who use cannabis who have the same kind of symptoms that you use and they get better relief than they do from opioids. That's what shifted me over. And from that day on, I would never look back. And from that day on, I never, I, I will tell you this, since 2001 and a quarter, a day has not gone by that I have not had cannabis in me and or hemp in me. And so throughout every one of my tapings of my show, um, I normally, you know, medicated in the mornings uh, of that day. And I do three, I did three shows a day and I didn't medicate between before every single show. But in some cases, if my pain and my feet hit me, I was right back up in my dressing room taking a hit before I went back on the stage. That's incredible. I wish, I wish I had known. And then I would have been like, Montel's like me. He's just like me. <laughs> that is so cool. Wow. Again, I have this, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little strange when it comes to just my memory because you know, I, I, I have the memory of almost like an elephant and uh, I, I literally, I can, you know, I, uh, you know, have my own brand out for quite a while. Right now we're in a little bit of a pause. I'm about ready to find a new contract manufacturer, but you know, for the last 10 years and the last five years, five years ago, when I launched my brand, I was traveling around Northern California, Oregon places, actually going out and promoting to different uh, dispensaries and to different distributors. And um, I, on a couple of occasions in the San Francisco Bay Area and a couple of the places that you were allowed to do so, I remember doing full speeches after, you know, 15 to 20, you know, uh, uh, dab hits. I would walk in a room and go ahead and do a full speech and not miss a beat uh, or miss the, the, the punchline. It's just weird. I don't know what's going on. God with bless you. Well, your endocannabinoid system craves cannabis and clearly you're highly functioning. So, hey, more power to you. And it's it's obviously meant to be that someone like you who speaks in front of people, who communication is their gift and being as eloquent as possible is important to your your mission to be a cannabis advocate, to have to have gone on your journey with cannabis, to have refound that plant for yourself. These skills and that journey obviously were meant to mesh. Absolutely, and I mean, I think you know you you well. Not that you have to. There's no reason to to do if you if you don't choose to. If it makes you feel uncomfortable being you know uh, under the influence while you're performing, I'd stay away from it. But you know. 
you know, every once in a blue moon, you got to take that little Try it step, out. step out on that stage and say, yo, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> you know, pop out there, you know, throw a little comedy down and, and see whether or not, uh, you know, it, it will it make you funnier now, but might it give you insight into some jokes that you had never thought of? I bet you it does. Hell yeah. I'll just say Montel told me so. If the joke bombs. There you go. And, you know, I, I tell you what, the yep. one thing though that I will, will tell you that was very interesting, not like I have a split brain, but I do remember on those occasions when I would literally walk out and it was 20 seconds earlier that I had taken that big rip. You know, for that first two minutes, I have to say to myself, control yourself. Contain. I'm talking. I've I been sitting here having this conversation, but there's a little voice in the back of my head saying, chill out. Don't pick on that pimple on their nose. Leave it alone. It's okay. You can let that go. You ain't got to talk about that. That's all right. Let it, I know you want to. Let it go. Stop. And then the same thing will happen to you. I, I bet you'll be standing on stage and you'll look into the audience and look down at somebody and you're, he's going to want to jump out. But just, you know. Hold it back a little bit. Who's Fraba? Okay, I'll, I'll remember this for next time. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And then don't 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 think you're crazy because you're having multiple conversations with yourself at the same time. Well, that happens anyways. There you go. Oh, weed or not? Well, <laughs> yeah, now let's uh, but let's talk a little bit. Where can people see you now, or can they get a t taste of you in the comedy world? Where can they do that? Um. Well, hopefully not too much of a taste. But uh, so check me out on buddingmind.life. That's our website. And on Instagram, that's my main platform. You can find me at Brooke Stellar. And you can find Budding Mind at Budding Mind. And I would love to see you. Come join me. Sure. Did you, did you ever think when you were younger, that, that growing up, that comedy or entertainment would be your world or yoga? I mean, did it, does, what would your younger self be surprised about to hear about you today? I think definitely the fact that uh, I work in cannabis. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not surprised at the entertainment aspect. I'm not surprised at comedy. That's always been something that I've leaned on to gain friends. <laughs> gotcha. But working in cannabis, legitimately making a career in something that my parents never wanted to talk about that I got in trouble for long ago. Uh, that something that I felt ashamed, ashamed about, ashamed to tell people that I was a cannabis consumer to now be someone that is an advocate and an activist and so very proud and only wants more people to be enlightened to the healing medicine of this planet. Could have never expected that. And, and, and if it's uncomfortable, you don't have to talk about it. But what do your parents think now? Because you're making a living, you're making a contribution, you're helping out you know, society. And and I, I think they would have to be proud of you, right? You know, they've come around. There was a time when I was working for Mary Jane, when I first started making cannabis content that I told no one because I moved to Los Angeles with aspirations of being an actress. And I was like, oh no, Disney's not going to want me if they know I talk about weed. So I was very, very careful. And my parents, my dad at one point was worried I would put his work in jeopardy. So there was, there was a lot of, a lot of familial stigma that was being placed on me. And year after year that started to be peeled back. And now they are definitely proud of me. Um, you know, I'm providing for myself. I've never asked them for money. So I think there's, there's, that, that's probably making them really happy. <laughs> and now my mom, 
Well, once I was in trouble for cannabis, now my mom asks me to bring her weed every time I visit her in Florida because it just doesn't hit the same. So, uh, you know, she has Crohn's disease. So it helps with her inflammation hugely. And I love to experiment with other cannabinoids on her uh, for with CBG and CBN to see if it has any kind of different effects on her. I'm like, you try this. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think what you got to do is really, you know, do a deep dive into, you know, the benefits of certain terpenes. And you'll find that you may find a couple of cultivars that work extremely well for her, you know, um, and especially from an edible step. I don't know if she's if she's a consumer of smoking or she eats it, but love edibles. I have I have some friends who uh, I was providing my product to that said that that was the only thing that they had ever used. They brought them some relief. Hmm. It was because I was I literally had a pretty proprietary uh, um, terpene formulation that I put together yeah. uh, that works and, and very well. And there are certain terpenes that we do know for a fact um, are better at anti-inflammatory and especially you know um, the body responds to them better. So you know I don't know if you uh, you dig into it, but I've got a copy of it. Oh, I don't know where I put it. Um, I'll make sure I, I send you a copy of a book that you should probably, you know, grab because uh, there's some really unbelievable terpene information in there. Wow. Would love that. Always learning. Absolutely. Well, what else you want to add right there? Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. This was it was such a beautiful experience being able to to connect with you in this way. And I hope one day that we get to share a joint together. Or oh. if it has to be that you have yours and I have mine, I can do that too. It's all right. They think about that, but before I'm not going to let you go because I, I want to talk about that because I've been asking people about that literally almost on every single podcast. The entire culture of cannabis has kind of changed a little bit because of COVID. Now, you know, you used to step out in the back porch and you break out a joint, light it up and tie it over to your friend. Now you break out two joints and hand them one and you have one and they keep theirs, you keep yours. Or you, know, you step out and you say, oh, you want to try this bud? And you hand a person a little bud thinking, what do you want me to do with this? But, but <laughs> that, that's going to actually be what changes, I think, uh, the culture of cannabis, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Cannabis events was such a huge part of my existence here in Los Angeles at the very least. So not only have those events obviously been canceled, but yeah, sharing a joint. Normally, if you've sparked up a doobie, you would have a group of 10 people that would suddenly want to be your best friend. And now (laughs) people want to create a little more distance from you. But, you know, I got a million dollar idea right here. You know, like little the pieces that you use with a hookah. The little right. plastic pieces, I think people are just going to have to start carrying those around to create a little bit of a sanitary barrier and enable them to still have that social experience sharing cannabis with their friends. Absolutely. I think, you know, and, and you know, I'm not unfortunately, but, you know, I think if you're carrying around little swabs for bowls, you could wipe off the end and put it in your mouth. Why not? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's not that you're looking down on someone else or you're casting an aspersion or you're saying that mm, I don't trust you. But, you know, at the same time, I think we're going to have to figure out how to socially distance with cannabis. And I, have a, I wonder, you know, we've already proven and we know, and recent research just came out that said that cannabis may be one of the best anti-inflammatory tools for the lungs during this whole COVID thing. So why not stand in a room with a little cannabis up in the air? What's up? You know what I mean? <laughs> So we're all standing around, it may help to bring that, that, that COVID virus to the ground. I don't know. 
Cannabis cures COVID. You heard it here. <laughs> Very well. You know, uh, I wish I could take credit for it, but there, there's not that it would cure, but it does have beneficial effects on the lungs. So um, I, at least that's one one research paper has said, and we got to get more research on this to figure this out. But I think as they start to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and we do the real legitimate research, double blind studies, we're going to find that, you know, that anti-inflammatory effect goes across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, our endocannabinoid systems have been largely deprived over the past few decades, centuries, because cannabis has been prohibited. So I think that uh, we'll end up seeing that this can be an effective medicine for so many things that we would have never, never expected because our bodies are ready for it. They need to be replenished. Absolutely. Well, Brooke, I can't say thank you enough for being a part of Let's Be Blunt today. If people want to get a hold of you, give out the information again so they know how to shout out to you. All right. Heck yeah. Follow me on Instagram at Brooke Steller or at Budding Mind. And you can find our website, BuddingMind.life. We'll see you there. And thank you, Montel. Absolutely. We will definitely see you there. And I want to make sure they tune into your morning show. Where's that? Yes. Check us out. Marijuana Morning News on YouTube and on Instagram. Type in Advanced Nutrients Official. You can find us also through Big Mike at Big Mike. There you go. That's a, right. lot of, that's a lot of handles. But <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay because my, my viewers are very, very discerning and they write this stuff down and they're going to go out and look and see if they can keep up with you. And, you know, do you have any committee performances coming up that we can tune into? Oh, my God. It's not right now, but definitely check me out on Instagram because I express my weirdest self by way of this platform. So you'll definitely get a hint from my sense of humor. Hope you like it. <laughs> give, me, give, me, give, me, give me one little taste before you say goodbye. Oh, OK. Um, well, how about I sing this song for you? OK. <clears throat> can't wait. Can't wait. Ready? <laughs> yep. How'd your dog get so mean? Dun, 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 dun. Why'd he just growl at me? Dun, 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 dun. How'd your dog get so mean? Dun, 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 dun. I bet he lives with a shitty human being. <laughs> That's you. Not you, Montel. But my, little, my little doggy loves me. My little doggy loves me. It's nice. <laughs> All right. You be well, my dear. Take care. And thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt today. And make sure you tune into the next edition of Let's Be Blunt. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments.